0: Hello, everyone. Oh, yeah. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is April the 2nd, 2021. It is opening day. Which we go crazy about in Baltimore, but they're playing up in Boston. It got rained out yesterday. Strong hand, long term thinking. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Unconfiscatable. I'm offended by selling in motion. Five digit realm. All right, I'm a. We we've got quite a group. Best guest in the space. I bring you every freaking week. These dudes have conviction. These guys have strong hands, and we have two guys new to the panel. All right. Joe Kelly is here and Will Clement Clement is here. Is that how you pronounce your last name? And Brecky Von Bitcoin is here and he's been here plenty of times. So I'm I'm always pumped to get new guests. And these are uh, some unique guests too. I mean, Will is only 19. So we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But let us start off with a question that I read about on Twitter. And all these guys are linked to below. Follow them on Twitter right this darn second. All right. And uh, Brecky had a question. He said, Yesterday, my parents told me I should sell some Bitcoin and buy a house. I told them we are in a housing bubble and that instead we should all be buying more Bitcoin. Joe, what do you think about that statement? Uh, sh- should we bu- be buying houses or Bitcoin? How should one address one's parents when or they. Or should I take out a loan from Unshade Capital
1: and no. use that to buy a house?
2: I was going to say, Brecky, you were, yeah, stealing my thunder there. But ultimately, I'm a little biased. I think you should certainly not sell your Bitcoin. Um, we exist to help people hold on to their Bitcoin for the long term. And one of the ways we do that is we give loans against it. And one of the principal things people do with those loans is buy real estate, buy a home. Um, so it's a great way to keep on your Bitcoin, keep a hold of your Bitcoin while um, having a roof over your head. <laughs> all right.
0: All right. So you didn't give- you gave it an, an interesting answer. It was you. You gave like the C. Like there's A or B, housing or Bitcoin, but you said C. So that's good. I like that. That's creative. Now get the options, man. All right, all right. Now, uh, how about you, Will? You're you're uh, you're buying a college education right now. But what do you what do you think about uh, housing versus bit uh, versus Bitcoin and, and talking to
3: your parents about that uh, in, in terms of asset acquisition? Uh, I, I think what you should be doing is measuring the, the housing price in Bitcoin, and then you might be a little surprised with what you see. So oh. I would say buy more Bitcoin.
0: Valuing his wealth in Bitcoin at a young age. This is a, a, a good start right there. Well, I, before I get to Brecky, because you've had a lot of time to think about this uh, opening question because it was, it was posed to you. I, I just want to say that for me, I buy the best assets that are out there. Okay, I only want the best for me. I want the freest asset, also. Okay, so housing—it's better to have a house than to have a freaking bunch of a stack of dollars in your bank account because they're just—they keep on printing the dollars, obviously. But I mean, our sociopathic leaders that are out there—they are raising uh, the property taxes. You, uh, a house is an attack vector. You can get sued. Someone can trip on your house or on your sidewalk and sue you. With Bitcoin, it's just—it's in the ether. No one's going to trip on it. Um it's, it's not an attack vector. So I and I, I, I like to be in motion. A house anchors you down. If you and again, I have all these people around me that are very excited about the housing prices. Great. I am not in the buy. People are like, Adam, you apparently have some Bitcoin. You should be buying a house. No, 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 no. Because it's this is I love to be free. I go from one Airbnb to another. That's how I spend my fiat I don't spend, I, and I keep on getting more Bitcoin. Have more Bitcoin than you had yesterday. Pound that like button. Brecky, what was your take on your the question that your parents uh, uh, posed to you there?
1: Um, my take, I mean, I, I do, I'm do. i just going to buy more Bitcoin. I'm not buying a house right now. No way, no how. Um, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe I could be convinced to take out a loan with Unchained, but uh, I need to understand the product more and, and when is a good time to take out a loan and when isn't. So we'll see. I'm just stacking sets. Well, you know this I really like a the, question.
2: Oh, I sorry. like the Adam. I like the way you put it. Uh, it's like a, a turn on that Buffett quote. You should always go to bed with a little, a few more Sats than you woke up with.
1: I think that's a good. Well, that, good I, I like to say that uh, you know we 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 all we all say number go up right, but the real number that needs to go up is the number of Sats you have. So mm-hmm. as long as every day that number is going up,
0: boom. Well, that, I mean that's the very definition of valuing your wealth in Bitcoin. You're not trying to get more dollars, and, and most people are stuck. In that mindset, and uh, they they want to get uh, they'll they'll loan out their Bitcoin to get interest on their to get dollar interest, It's all sorts of craziness. I've I've heard out there. Just value your wealth in Bitcoin. All right, so let's let's go to uh, you know I, I I mentioned to Will before the show. He just uh, he just turned nineteen. So back in uh, twenty thirteen, uh, he was eleven years old, and back in twenty thirteen, Coinbase started, and That's how I got my first two Bitcoin back back then when he was eleven. And so clearly a lot has changed because, well now I mean you're a guest on this show and Coinbase is going to go public uh, on the 14th of April, and that is in now it is in 12 days. Uh, It's linked to below. They're going to have their release their earnings on uh, on the sixth. So this this is going to be huge uh, for marketing of Bitcoin okay uh, there's no doubt about it on, on that Wednesday in two weeks it's going to be on all the mainstream uh, financial news networks it's it's going to be a, a Bitcoin day so it, it's just amazing to me how the the Bitcoin world you can say the cryptocurrency world whatever has expanded since um, since since 2013 so we're, we're on the on the verge of something and, and to, to have a, a company that's that OG of a company, I mean, I remember with with you know everyone a lot of guys and you can say what you want to say about Coinbase. All of you will get your take on it. Um, it, it's an altcoin casino. It's this, that, and the other. I can remember back in the day, maybe it was twenty fifteen. The big question is when are they going to finally list Litecoin? When are they going to finally list like? Because they all they sold was Bitcoin back then. So, um, Joe, you you're you're uh. You, you're, you've are you got your own company down there in Austin and everything. What is your perspective on this, on, on a company like Coinbase going public, what it means for Bitcoin, what it means for the evolution of the space?
2: Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think especially for the kind of venture capital ecosystem that's out there and um, you know, looks to big exits and returns like what Coinbase has brought as like cause for investing more money in the space. And so I think um, I do expect that to lead – to more checks getting written into, uh, hopefully, especially Bitcoin companies. It'll probably be a lot of like just cryptocurrency generally companies. Um, so, yeah, and that's going to make a lot more, a lot of these people that were in in, in Coinbase very uh, wealthy in dollars at the time of the IPO. And I expect that to do something as those people turn, try to turn those dollars into Bitcoin, probably other cryptocurrencies, one might argue, given Coinbase's brand, it might be um,
0: might be some ETH skew there, but I think uh, it's still going to be good for Bitcoin. All right. Uh, good reminder there that the dudes that worked at Coinbase that got paid in stock options, oh, they're going to be loving life. It's going to be like freaking 1999, 2000 stock options type of stuff going on over there. And yes, dudes, Charlie <laughs> Lee is probably going to become richer. And you should – you you yourself should try to – don't worry about Charlie Lee becoming fiat richer because he worked at Coinbase one day and he sold his Litecoin that some people are still bitter about. You try to have more Bitcoin than you had yesterday. Don't be envious that this income inequality. Don't worry about it. You worry about it. Take care of yourself. Will, what is your take on Coinbase? You've grown up with Coinbase uh, basically. I mean it, it was uh, – you were like a preteen when it when it started. So I, your, your, your take is uh, one that I want to hear.
3: Yeah, sure. So I don't think I have a lot um, else to add other than, you know, um, for kids my age, when everybody's coming to me and saying, hey, I want to get into Bitcoin, you know, what platform should I navigate through? Um, I think the one everybody knows is Coinbase. And I think having them go public is a net positive for the space, because although a lot of people in the the space like to push forward, securing their own keys, etc., there are going to be kind of layers of of adoption that that come to be. Uh, For example, like, investors were able to get uh, access to exposure to Bitcoin through the, the convertible debt notes that, that MicroStrategy had issued. I think this is another kind of layer of exposure that um, people are able to get to the space that isn't directly through buying Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah it is. It, 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 that's, that's a very good point. Now, I don't approve, I, I wish people would just buy the
0: real thing, but y- you better believe there are going to be a lot of people like, oh, look, now I can buy just a regular stock. And it's just like buying bitcoin and it's not but it's that that will help coinbase they will be the one the the one that will be able to provide that gimmick well microstrategy's got their round as you said microstrategy one one way of looking at it too but this is microstrategy is not a bitcoin company this is a well this is a cryptocurrency company all right so speaking about cryptocurrency company versus bitcoin company this is a, go- a good way to segue into what Brecky is going to say about that uh, Coinbase going public. <laughs> How <laughs> do you know what I'm going to say about Because I'm you work for it. Swan. You work for Swan. Put that out there.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I agree with everyone. Overall, net positive for Bitcoin. Um, I, I think it's going to bring a lot more eyes to the space. I think it's de-risking Bitcoin even further. Um, I am slightly worried what Coinbase is going to do uh, with extra money. Um, but I, I think... That going forward, um, you know, what I'm really interested to see are the checks that are going to be written to other companies. Um, You know, this is an opportunity for anyone who's building in Bitcoin uh, to get out there, to raise money, to build on this hype. You know, I may not like Coinbase. Um, No, it's not that I may not like, I don't like Coinbase, but... um, Let's take advantage of this. If you've got a Bitcoin company, go out there, raise money. You know, let this is the time to shine and to really cement our place in the fabric of of the world economy. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I don't. Yeah, that's all I got. Net positive, but uh, I'm I'm still wary. So we'll see.
0: All right, be ready for a price jump that day, people. For you fiat freaks out there. Hey, man, we we made it through the first quarter of the year. Now it's the second quarter, dudes. Is this, is this, uh, are we one day closer to, yeah, we are one day closer to an all time high. I do want to point out to everyone that it, this year, a lot on the, a few Saturdays, we've uh, reached all time highs. So I'm not making any predictions for tomorrow, but be ready. Second quarter, first Saturday of the second quarter is tomorrow. So just, uh, already wishing you guys a, a happy weekend. Uh, and that really, because I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, Again, I value my wealth in Bitcoin, but I'm looking at the price right now, and all sorts of people making predictions about. You got a swan on your head there, too. Wow, I do. I, I do. I, I I just know that's a really subliminal way of uh, promoting uh, what you're doing. Okay, um, and I do. I do wonder uh, what companies Coinbase will be acquiring in the uh, near future. Okay, so let's move on to uh, what I wanted to bring up with Will here, and well, Will is the youngest guest ever on the show. Uh, I think the previous (laughs) previous was 20 or 21 or 22. I don't know, Uh, but also a dude in college. But uh, you you are down with the supply shock thing, man. Uh, Long long term Bitcoin holders have stopped selling. I'm just quoting some things that you said. Uh, Bitcoin supply shock incoming. Yes, this Bitcoin cycle is different it boils down to supply and demand. In 2017, there was a steady increase of Bitcoin on exchanges along with price. While in the current run-up, we've seen a dramatic decrease in Bitcoin on exchanges inverse the price. Now, okay, I I just wanna say four years ago, you were uh, 15 years old. So I don't know what, how how did you get in the Bitcoin by the way? And then let's talk about supply shock.
3: Uh, sure. So I, I had originally gotten into uh, like value investing, discount cash flow based kind of value investing. And long story short, what I understood from that was that you are assuming that there's sound money that you're making economic calculation with. Right. And so that kind of led me down the rabbit hole towards Bitcoin. Um, but to go off of what you were saying. So, yeah, um, when you look at the data going back to 2013 and 2017, you had these these small um decreases in coins being pulled off exchanges, which kind of assisted in, in that uh, supply shock. But what we're seeing now is kind of unprecedented in terms of uh, historical data that that the the slope downward of coins that are being uh, just ripped off of exchanges is, is continually going down. I think Coinbase is down almost 200,000 coins now in the last four months, especially after after all time high, you just saw that, that number kind of just fall off a cliff. Um, it could be due to, to several things, um, including you know the probably just custody solutions that that people are moving their coins into. So it's not necessarily um, all all just people ripping coins into their own cold storage. It could be multiple things. Also, derivatives, which some of these coins are getting locked up into derivatives contracts. Um, but to go off of just just the coins being pulled off exchanges, we're also seeing miners over over the last maybe. I would say two, three months have really stopped selling like right after all time high, right in like the 27K to 32K range. You saw them really ramp up their selling. They started dumping coins onto the market. Um, and then after that, they just completely stopped. And And so this is kind of different compared to previous cycles where miners were just consistently selling all the way through. Because I think now they can kind of finance their operations through debt and, and these other kind of uh, fiat based this thing where they could borrow against their Bitcoin, right? They don't have to sell to cover their capex. And then, and the final thing is that uh, another trend I'm seeing is is long-term sellers have actually stopped selling. And similar to miners, they started they started peaking um, selling right after all-time highs. They really ramped it up again around like twenty-seven thousand to thirty thousand. That was where they you really saw this huge decrease in in on the chart. It basically shows. Um, uh, the extent to which which they're uh, selling their coins, it, it's a chart called a liquid supply. So the further down the chart goes, uh, the more people are selling. So you saw a massive decrease around twenty-seven thousand to thirty thousand, and after that, they just completely stopped. Like it's 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 insane how how that chart basically it was it, you saw this huge decrease, and then right after that, it just bounced right back up, which meant. Whatever they were going to sell, or whatever you know, they, they were planning to dump on the market. They already did so. And now they're waiting for higher prices to to trim some more of their positions and, and take more chips off the table. Um, and the final thing is that I'm seeing is especially in the last two weeks. Um, last week we saw a record of this, actually, the a one day record of this coins being moved to a liquid addresses. So Glassnode has this uh, this metric where they they measure. Uh, certain wallet addresses that have been holding Bitcoin for X amount of time, that have, they they take the proportion of how many coins they sell versus how many they don't sell, and if it's under a certain, I think it's like 0.25, um, then they're considered in a liquid address. So we've seen this huge transfer of coins, and last week, like I said, we had this record day of coins being moved to these liquid addresses, which you can also think of them as as strong hands, as the Bitcoin community likes to likes to put it so we're we're seeing everything is lining up for this kind of massive supply shock on an on a scale that we've never really seen in bitcoin and I, i don't think we've seen when you look at the chart compared to the price it is basically inverse right um as coins are going down off exchanges price continually goes up but i really don't think we've seen the full extent of of this this supply phenomenon because i think we'll see the full effects of it when we start to see more more uh, institutional demand later in the year, because I think, you know, like we had MicroStrategy doing their education and all the like for, for these big corporations, it takes months for them to be able to get from the point where they say, okay, we want to buy to where they actually are making that purchase. So I think we'll really see the full effects of, of the supply depletion months later on. And by then they're going to have to come in and, and they're going to be fighting over fractions of a coin and so I think we really won't see the full effects of, of this supply shock until later in the year. All
0: right. Long term Bitcoin holders have stopped selling is something that you just said and that you've tweeted out before. And I got to say, as a long term uh, Bitcoin holder, well, first of all, I've never sold a Bitcoin for fiat, but I, I've got I get that vibe also. I mean, if you held on for this long, you know that the party is just getting started over here. So I, I, I do want to clarify one thing for you, I, 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 and I agree. Everything you said makes make sense here, okay? Now, I've been through these cycles now. I mean, this is my third time or whatever. I mean, eight, since 2013, uh, I've seen the price you know, go up in 2013, and then, whoa, 2014 and fifteen were not fun years. Uh, of course, I had a strong <laughs> hand. And then 2017, price goes up, and uh, 2018 and nineteen were not fun years. 2022 should if that it shouldn't be a fun year and i am just i'm prepared for that and i just you said this this time is it's different do you not see a correction of any sort in 2022
3: yeah it's a great question um so the reason i say that is first of all because because that supply de- depletion at least when i say different doesn't mean that it's never going to come back down but that the cycle might go further or we might see like a double pump like we did in 2013. I think I think the supply shock will be a lot stronger than than previous cycles. Come on, and will say with me. Super cycle. Super super cycle. cycle super
1: yeah, cycle, super
3: cycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it it's really hard to to predict the, the future when it comes to predicting the behavior of some of these institutional players. I think they'll tend to not sell as much, but then again you also have to um understand certain uh, funds, at least they can't, they can't get over a certain allocation. So, you know, if they take a 5% allocation, Bitcoin doubles, they're up to 10% and they can't go over 10% for that certain asset. They're going to buy, you know, regulatory reasons. They're going to have to trim some of that position to, to bring it back down. So that, that may play a part. Um, it's really hard to say, but I, I don't think that we're going to see another 80% correction or something like that. I do, I do. I see the possibility of us of us having another kind of bear cycle but then again I also see that the possibility of us going all the way but then that's probably what people said in 2017 that we're caught up in the euphoria then so um, you just just got to be prepared for either way I certainly won't be taking any chips off the table once we get up to two hundred, three hundred thousand. 300,000 it, it's just not a <laughs> I don't think that's a smart move I think there's a there's a fair chance that this thing's not going to come back down all right, I, I, and real quick, before we go to Joe on his his
0: take on supply shock and everything, what were you doing in 2017? Did you know about Bitcoin in 2017,
3: uh, Will? No, man, I had no clue. I was just doing stupid stuff as a kid. I remember seeing like a Bitcoin ATM in, in the mall or something like that, but I really didn't get into it until, I think I made my Twitter account in June, the end of June last year, and I'm like, I found Bitcoin Twitter, and that's when I really started you know, listening to different podcasts and stuff really? like that.
0: Wow! So just 2020 was your debut on the. I mean, in your interest in, in Bitcoin started in 2020 of all years. That that's good. You you were really productive during this time that so many kids were forced to be unproductive. Wow!
3: Very I think good. being stuck in the house it played a played a big part of it. I think I was if I was at school doing all all college, my college stuff. I don't think uh, nearly as far into it as I have.
0: <laughs> good. You, you you took advantage of the situation.
3: All right. Uh, Joe,
0: your take on uh, on supply shock and uh, you know OGs never selling their Bitcoin and uh, what, what, and is it different this time?
2: Yeah, I think uh, really great analysis by by Will. I think that's um, that, that's astute, and I think it's also always remarkable. It just fascinates me but that Bitcoin is really first asset we get to have these legitimate discussions about. Nobody knows what the supply of GE shares or like any any other like opaque traditional asset looks like. And so even the fact that we can just kind of deliberate and have this, this information be out there, I think is really cool. Um, it's one of the things we paid attention to at Unchained is we saw what we called our, our HODL waves chart, which shows you know, Bitcoin and UTXOs and ranks them by when they last moved. And so you can see kind of those strong hands, see those that Bitcoin that's really sat there for some time. And you know, on average, about 60 percent of Bitcoin doesn't move for a year or more. Um, and I think like Will pointed out, there was some some period in the last few months where I think some of that fraction dipped, most people were probably selling into that like upper 20K kind of range. Um, but that has stopped and you're seeing a lot more consolidation. And I think it's because you just have a lot of these new buyers that do just expect it to keep going up. And there's, there's some legitimacy there. I think I do try as a market participant, I try to be cognizant of my own psychology and the other psychology that's probably happening for others. Um, but there is there is really something to the amount of supply that's not yet soaked up. <clears throat> Whether it's institutions, as Will mentions, that that are in the process of making purchases, also these funds, these fund products, like ETFs, getting approved. There's going to be multi-billion-dollar asset vehicles sitting on lots of Bitcoin, um, and there none of them have started yet. They're they're at zero, and so on the path to the tens and hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin that are going to go into those vehicles, that's going to soak up more supply. I think does add some kind of fundamental type characteristic to like our you know let's just kind of feel feel good about prices here and feel like there's yet yet more to run um and i think that the really euphoria hasn't hit because i do see i do see measured i do see people in bitcoin like yourself adam we've been scarred we we know that the within these cycles we can expect drawdowns um and that's that's good i think that's really healthy the riskiest thing in any market are people not perceiving there's potential risk Um, and so i think as long as there's people like us like Yeah, you know, we're we're just just slightly measured. It's it's the euphoric, like New York Times articles headlining, everyone's getting rich and you're not, you know, that that article couldn't have been a better top um, signal from like late 17 than those yahoos and those
1: sweaters and that (laughs) headline or something is like... (laughs) Everyone's getting hilariously rich or something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You make a good point about uh, reminding everyone that, you know, there are downturns because the people last time that didn't understand that there were downturns, they're not back this time. They just, they threw in a towel and that's, it's really bad to throw in the towel. Not um, all or. of them, okay? I didn't know what a market cycle was last
1: cycle. I had no idea. I didn't know that markets go up and down the way they do. I had no clue. Well, I,
0: I think but uh, most people, uh, yeah. someone we're going to talk about in a second, Lex Friedman. I don't think he knows about uh, market cycles either, but we'll get, we'll get into, that, into that in a second. What is your uh, – well, wait. Before I ask you this, uh, Brecky, I do want to say there's a great uh, comment in the chat here. The Bitcoin liquidity squeeze will make the gain stock – uh, look like a game yeah yeah d- definitely it, it the game stock, uh, liquidity squeeze is a freaking. Game compared to uh, the the Bitcoin one. The whole GameStop thing is a big joke. And we want to talk about. It. Okay, Brecky, go, go 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 on with yourself. And people in the chat, do a super chat. Get my attention. Do Bitcoin Meister. <laughs> Ask some questions. We love you. All right. What's okay. the question? You, uh, just uh, you liquidity squeeze and will twenty twenty two be different? Uh, will it not be a down year like as, as some people are? Because I've had plenty. Like Anders has been on the show saying he doesn't expect twenty twenty two to be bad. Um and uh, you know and you know, will actually made it. A great point. Like it, it still might go down, but it won't be an 80% drawdown. But what, what's your take on uh, uh, what, what, we're, what we're about to see here th- this next quarter in terms of uh, uh, Bitcoin shortages? I mean, are we going to hear that term? And uh, just uh, go on with yeah, yourself. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we will. I don't know that
1: we'll see shortages per se. I feel like there's always somebody who's willing to sell at a price, right? It's just what is that price? Um, are we going to see a drawdown? I don't know. I mean, it, it probably won't feel like a drawdown to us. Like if we shoot up to $800,000 and we drop down to $500,000 the next day, like, you know, well, I'll be happy regardless. Like who gives a shit? But – oh, sorry. I can not say that. Um, so I, I don't know. I, but, you know, is this time different? Hell yeah, it's different. Like we've got senators. We've got companies like MicroStrategy. Like the, the – the landscape is so much more developed than it was then. Investors are actually way more intelligent and asking the right questions. And um, something that Will was saying, you know, Will got in what? Like you started paying attention a year ago. You know, when we got in the the Bitcoin content that was available to consume was minuscule. There was like nothing. You know, you can get up to speed in six months if you put your head down. Or, or, or less time, you know? So we're, we're in the golden age of Bitcoin content right now, and I think if you really want to learn about it, and if you're a smart investor, you will learn about it, and you'll realize what this thing is. Um, like, will we see some companies with weekends? Yeah, we will, or we'll see some that, you know, for regulatory issues, have to sell. But at the end of the day, you know, we're going to the
0: moon, baby. We're going to the moon! <laughs> you say uh, investors are more intelligent this time. Uh, well, these NFT prices... Uh... Uh, Are you well, investors well, or speculators, though? Okay, good,
3: good, good differentiation. Um, and by you want the way, I ask Joe, a question real quick. Yes, please. All right. So I was just wondering do you think, um, like the derivatives that have kind of, you know, really matured over the last year and a half, do you think that's going to play a bigger role in, in kind of differentiating this cycle from others? Uh, that's a Joe question right there. Go, Joe.
2: Do well. Are the derivatives markets going to play a bigger role in the cycle? Um, I I don't really know. I, I I don't have a good answer to that question. Um, I think the pro- it's probably yes, but how? I don't know. Brecky
0: pass pass. <laughs> well, okay. The, the, the last cycle, the derivative. Everybody was trying to blame the derivatives for the crash. I remember. Um, so I, I don't, I, and I not I didn't, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe they caused it last time. Uh, I don't, you know, when it comes down to it, people want the underlying asset and stuff. And I think that makes the biggest difference. And uh, you, you can play all sorts of games uh, in financialization and, and everything like that. Um, it, I, I think it'll, I mean, it, it might, it might, might this time around, it might bring more traditional type of investors in and stuff. Uh, but I'm, i'm I'm not concerned about it it's a good it's a good question
3: though <laughs> I, I think one th- one thing to note, um this has kind of been made popularized by like Preston Pish and plan b is is this whole idea of, of uh capturing the arbitrage spreads between the contango between you know there, there's a premium right now in the futures price versus the the current market spot price and so you can do this cash and carry trade and the annualized returns for some you know for it depends on which platform you're using, but they're like fifteen percent or something like that. And so for people that aren't even interested in Bitcoin, you can come in and capture these spreads. Like this isn't for people that are like hardcore hodlers. These are for like fixed income investors that have negative yielding real bonds right now. (laughs) And they're looking for some kind of risk free yield for them to capture. And this is kind of a no brainer, in my opinion. And it's, it's interesting that. I don't know how what the end game of, of that Contango will be, but you're continually seeing these spreads getting fatter and fatter and fatter, these contracts, which is interesting to me because the futures contracts are trading at a premium, which usually entails that there's some kind of storage cost. Like in, in commodities like like with oil, for example, like they trade at a premium because there's storage costs, but Bitcoin's a digital asset, so there is no storage cost. So why is it trading at a premium? I really don't understand. For firms
2: like that, there is a delivery and storage cost. You might argue, like you know, dealing with keys and, and custodianship, and so it's it feels feels more natural, I think, for those firms to just buy these contracts from prime brokers and folks that they're they're comfortable with. Um, I mean, those do have some characteristics in the market. Some of those firms are buying Bitcoin or not buying, borrowing Bitcoin. So there's a short function there. There's possible short squeezes that come from that. Um, I think, but there's also countervailing things like now you have more market participants that have, um, you know, Bitcoin might be a fraction of their balance sheet, uh, or their Bitcoin exposure might be a fraction of the balance sheet. And as and if there's issues in the broader macro landscape, a big crash in the S and P 500 or things like that that impair their balance sheet on that side, they're going to have to sell Bitcoin or they're going to Bitcoin's be one of the first things they try to liquidate to fill up and, and cross that gap. So it's definitely um, really hard to say where there's a, a majority effect that's going to happen i think
3: yeah because because preston Pish has kind of theorized that it's almost like a like a second halving event where you're seeing more coins get locked up to borrow to to take on the arbitrage spread that you know for example like if there's a 50 percent ltv you're locking up two coins for for one that would naturally be locked up so I, i don't know i just find that very interesting like you said uh i don't know what like what the end game of it will be and and I don't know. I, I think it, it's interesting and it's hard to it's hard to see like how, at least from my perspective, like from the on-chain stuff, like I can't see exactly what the extent of, of this is going on. All I can really look at is kind of like different, like, you know, the AUM of... Go ahead. GBTC or something like that. Like that's
2: one that, yeah, it's been this just, just black hole of Bitcoin um, and, uh, and like an immense borrow, immense pool of borrowed Bitcoin at this point. Um, and Bitcoin liabilities by their institutions out there that, that put client deposits in there. So um, what's going to happen as those six-month lockups come out and things unwind?
3: Don't know.
0: Uh, this is this, I'm glad we're getting down this uh, finance uh, rabbit hole here right now. And I, I got I to say, uh, Will, are you a finance major? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, okay, good, good. And were you a finance major uh, before you got into Bitcoin? No. Oh, wow. Okay. So cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you've real. you really learned the subject. I got. I got to give you credit uh, on that. What was your major beforehand?
3: I, I was in entrepreneurship so i started like a like a small business in my uh in my dorm and then it kind of got shut down due to covid and then, dude ev- everything i'm saying i'm pretty much just repeating stuff that i've heard from other people it's not that i'm smart i'm just good at reciting stuff from other people <laughs> um i pretty much got so everyone <laughs> else <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah, not no 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 he's it's not I,
1: you're,
0: you're you're not giving yourself credit here you're not you're not doing textbook finance here. You're not just repeating what you learned in the textbook. I mean, this is real-life applications. It's very good, very good. You have a great understanding. I was a marketing major. I was in the business school at Washington University in St. Louis, and I didn't understand the real-life connections of finance. I ran away from finance back then. And so this is a very, very impressive. Very, very good stuff on your part. OK, but before we move on from the, and feel free to ask each other questions, too. I should I should have said that at the beginning. And, Will, I'm glad you you had that question for everyone here on the panel. and Everybody in the chat, feel free to ask these guys questions. I've got also. one. I've got one. OK, Will, please. Have, take you it away.
1: Your, have you taken your econ classes yet? Because like I. I really want to know what it's like having gone down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. I don't know if you're you've gone down the Austrian economics rabbit hole and like sitting in like a Keynesian economics
3: class and just like wanting to tell the teacher to piss off. Like, how, what's that like, dude? All right, so my micro class, I had taken that like my first semester, my freshman year, so that was before. But yeah, I took my micro, my macro class, and it was pretty brutal. getting through <laughs> that and like having to answer the questions, you're like, I don't agree with this, but I got to pick this to get to get the right. Uh, the right answer on this test. Uh, it, yeah, it it for me it's it's very interesting. I don't want to just keep talking about myself, but it's interesting because I feel like I'm learning about this financial system, which I believe is going to be in the past. While I, I my focus is in this other realm, so so to me it's it's uh, it's, it's definitely frustrating. <laughs> All right, now
0: that now that we got you talking about uh college here, I just want to I want to read you. There was a Bitcoin Magazine article here. There's an opportunity cost in every decision you make, but choosing to pay a university over buying Bitcoin could cost more than you think.
3: <laughs> what's what's your take on that, Will? Yeah, for sure. That was written by my buddy, uh, my buddy Nick. Um, he dropped out of college. Um, I think he's been selling everything to stack sats. He used to start his car with a screwdriver because he'd save the money to stack sats. So shout out to Nick. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I think it's something that a lot of people have to consider. I think in, in the bottom of the bear last time, American HODL was pushing a lot of kids to drop out of college and just take on some kind of uh, easy job. And, like, my buddy, uh, my, my buddy Dylan, I don't know if some of you guys know him on, on Twitter. I think his handle is, like, Dil, Dil Bitcoinization or something. He dropped out of school, and he, just, he took on, like, a construction job. And, you know, instead of spending, like you said, instead of spending that money – on school he's just been able to stack sacks throughout the bear market now you know he's he's, he's pretty good in a good situation financially but um you know to, to be completely honest i'm in i'm very fortunate that my parents are able to pay for a portion of my schooling but i do have to take out you know student loans for the remainder of that so it's something that i'm, I'm heavily considering um i'm doing an internship at Bitcoin magazine over over the summer. And, you know, I'm going to see how that goes. But I, I am uh, very interested in, in possibly doing this full time if, if it works out. And then, you know, the, uh, will, and will
0: you will you be at the event in Miami on June 4th and 5th?
3: Yes, they're having me. They're having me do. I don't know exactly what they'll probably like show me at the registration desk or something like that to check people in. But yeah, I'll, I'll be there working the event for sure.
0: All right. I, I will meet
3: you there. Joe, I, I want to tie this in. You,
0: you, your deal with hiring young people. What is your take on uh, what we've just been discussing? I, I mean, back in the day, when I would apply for jobs, you you would have to have a college degree. I mean, it is, but now we're living in a, a, goal, a completely different realm here. What's what's going on? So, uh, what's your take on a, a kids? Uh, would you hire someone that doesn't have a college degree?
2: Hell yes, I don't have one.
0: Uh, oh
2: yeah, that like, like button, baby. It gets extinguished. Sorry. I dropped out after my freshman year. It was I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I joined a business school. So I thought I'd learn about business, and instead, it's like you're trying to learn about how to do a cover letter or resume and the kinds of things I wanted to put on my resume were not uh, were deemed like not professional, or appropriate, or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, and it really shaped how I, as an entrepreneur, evaluate people and talent because it's, uh, it's credentials are often um they can really misguide you in terms of like who has really what you need who has the chops for a particular role and so people who are self-learners like will going out there learning about this stuff on their own like yeah listening to what people are like, repeating what they're saying but in that process Will's building a very strong like mental model for how the world works and that's that's all school is like supposed to that like that's just the minimum bar it should be doing it should help school is there to help you help people learn how to learn um, and so if you already know how to do that, then like get the fuck out and learn about what you want to learn about. Um, sorry. And then instead of like sticking around for, um, you know, things that you don't believe in or that are like, uh, yeah. And, and I think that's so funny that the, the, like you're in a class, it's an economic situation where it's not like chemistry. You can't just say, I don't really believe that, you know, this, this chemical, this equals this in this equation. Like that's, <laughs> but, the, but in, in, in that economics classroom, there's a right answer, um, to that professor that. The question—it's a degree of belief, or like, like it's just a—it's really very young, not at all science, and so um, just interesting that yeah, you have to be in that kind of a classroom um, learning that uh, supposedly that that stuff.
0: Uh, Joe, are you going to be at the Miami uh, Bitcoin Magazine event?
2: Absolutely, yeah, heck yeah,
0: and well, I really hope that you can meet Will there. I think everyone agrees. You know, there's a guy that, that has jobs. Here's a kid that uh, needs. To, who knows what connections could be made? I'm trying to connect everyone here. Ooh. Anyway, all right. So, uh, Brecky, uh, your your take on uh, college, et cetera, what we've been talking about? Um,
1: I don't know. I'm torn. I like Will. I was lucky to have my parents support me, um, so I you know I'm not overly burdened with debt. I do have. I have two degrees. I went to undergrad and I got a master's in film. Um, but all that being said. I mean, look, I did benefit from from both of those degrees in certain ways. You know, I learned certain things um, <laughs> that are useful. I made connections that were useful. The pedigree has helped me, whether it's true or not, people see a degree and they're like, oh, wow, you must be smart. It so happens that I am smart, that's besides the point. But everything I've learned that I really value, I, val- I, I, I got on the job. Um, and so if I had to do it again, I probably would have gone to coding school, learned how to code. Uh, went straight to work, that kind of thing. My kids are not going to be forced to go to college. I'm going to force them to learn how to code, probably. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it depends on your circumstances. I don't want to be one of those people that's like, no, no college at all. If, if you know what you want to do before you're going to college, I did not, and I think that was part of the mistake, then great, college could be helpful. But these days, compared to buying Bitcoin, uh, just buy Bitcoin. <laughs>
0: Yeah, man. A lot. Most 17 year I was 17. I didn't know what I wanted. To, I didn't know what I wanted to be <laughs> at all. No. So, I mean, uh, I, I give credit to the, the the kids that are 17, 18, 19 that, that do know what they want to be, that they're very mature, much more mature than I was. I was not I was not very mature. Uh,
1: there were two, a few kids in my frat and they were the ones who were the most driven and knew exactly what they wanted to do. And they were the ones who taken a year or two off before they came to college. Um, I, I begged my parents. They're like, no, if you want to go to college at all, you're going to have to go immediately. Blah, blah, blah. You'll be behind all this nonsense um but i think that's a horrible idea i think everyone should take a year off they should go work for a year they should travel if they can and then and then figure out what they want to do with their life and then hit the ground running
0: yeah they and, and th- this last year and over a year ha- has given the, a lot of youngsters the the uh, opportunity to take a year off i mean uh I, I especially now i would say yeah take a year off if you're, you're if your college is forcing you to take online classes that's a that's a that's a good point too and yeah uh it does I, I was of your parents' mindset back in the day. I, I just wanted to get it over. I, I want to start college. It's time the party. I don't want a year off. It's time the a- anyway. We got Brian Jackato says since the in- in- since the invention of Bitcoin, most economic majors are now effectively history majors. They just <laughs> they just don't know it yet. Uh, new Bitcoin ac- ec- economic paradigm uh going forward uh brian you're great you've been on the show before best freaking guest in the space that's that is a, a a great way of uh looking at it. okay so we'll uh we've talked about uh university here that's good and we talked about supply shock what is uh what else to to talk about here we've got uh i'm, I'm deciding on my uh i've got uh, we could talk about uh Oh, there's 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 a lot of noise out there. I, I, I'm I'm worried to bring up. Uh, we'll talk about Mark Cuban, Lex Friedman, talking about uh, Bitcoin and well cryptocurrency. So Mark Cuban here, all right. Mark Cuban's a smart guy. He's done well. Uh, he says 60% Bitcoin, 30% Ethereum, and 10% the rest. It's the closest to a true currency. He says about Ethereum, (laughs) on the value of his Ethereum holdings, he only expressed regret. I wish I had bought it sooner, but I started buying it four years ago. Cuban credited the recent boom on the decentralized finance and non-fungible token industry as a source of excitement about crypto, likening, likening the development of smart contracts on the Ethereum blockchain to the internet boom back in the late nineties and early two thousands. Now I don't want anybody pedestaling this guy. Um, but it, it was news this week that he, he spoke of this. On the other hand, we've, I, I mentioned this on my show on Wednesday and everybody check out the links below, watch my Wednesday show. Not enough of you watched Wednesday show. Um, Lex, Lex Friedman is a guy that's very much respected, uh, I don't know, in, in podcast circles. Okay. And we're going to start with Brecky on this. Uh, Lex has decided to have Bitcoin guys on the show. He had Nick Carter on the show. He had a uh, Pomp on the show, but he also decided to have uh, altcoin people on the show. And one person that he's he's going to have on the show is—I uh, mean, I don't—I don't even want to say the guy's name. I mean, uh, he's a. Uh, not, he
1: actually not, – he, not, he, someone talked to him first. He's not going to have him on the show anymore if we're talking about the scammer that I think we're talking about. Yeah,
0: the guy who created uh, an ego coin uh, around himself uh, yeah. that uh, people – that somehow a lot of his cult members got – reached out to Lex and somehow convince but okay go for it because brecky you tweeted about this stuff you, you treat uh, you know you, you tweeted that the, the bitcoin max list were trying to protect him and then he fell for this now he could have anybody he wants to have on the show i'm just saying he hasn't lived through a four-year cycle yet in bitcoin and if you live through a four-year bitcoin cycle you see all these guys promoting whatever the latest creating their own coins and you you can feel people out pretty well so what's your take on on cuban and on uh lex here um well i don't think cuban
1: understands fiat money i don't think cuban understands sound money i don't think cuban understands ethereum i don't think cuban understands bitcoin i don't think he understands a lot of things um so i wish him the best he's going to remain a rich person because he's got a lot of fiat uh wealth but uh in a, a hyper Bitcoinized world, I see his wealth going down. Best of luck, Mark. Enjoy your bananas. Um, Lex is interesting to me, um, and it brings up a, a topic that I find interesting. In that, there are a lot of people who I think would be—it would be beneficial if they were on the side of Bitcoin. Um, a, a lot of people may disagree with me and say, "Oh, Bitcoin doesn't need these famous people. Who gives? A sh- who give, Who cares if they, you know, if they like Bitcoin, if they understand Bitcoin or not?" And I agree that Bitcoin itself, Bitcoin, the network, doesn't need that. Doesn't need me, doesn't need you, doesn't need any of these rich people or these famous people or these, you know, ultra smart, intelligent people, whatever, doesn't need them. But I'm most concerned with the cause of getting people involved in Bitcoin. And the more positive thought leaders we have, people who are supporters of Bitcoin, who are bearing the, the, the Bitcoin standard flag and waving it around and, and are intelligent about it. People like Michael Saylor, for example, who, you know, the more mainstream people um, will listen to and and say, oh, yeah, this maybe I should look into Bitcoin. To me, that's important. I want to get as many people on the lifeboat as we can. Um, and someone like Lex, for example, would be a good ally in that respect, Um it's been interesting to see kind of the Bitcoin immune system attack him a little bit. Um, and this is a problem I have with with some of the plebs out there that you know you can destroy someone's arguments, you can you can um, you can tell them why they're wrong about something, but I don't think you have to be a dick. you know and I think that's a real problem and I think those people need to you know just be nicer. You can be as toxic as you want. There's good toxicity and bad toxicity.
0: I don't okay. like the bad kind of toxicity. Okay. Very good point. You 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 can be nice. I mean, sometimes it's the freaking Bitcoin Inquisition out there, as mm. as I've said. It really is. And you're 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 nodding your head there, Joe. Uh, what's your what's your take on uh your fellow Texan uh, <laughs> talking about Ethereum as money and uh, and just the, the the overall importance or not so importance of having what, what big names say and that big names can get confused.
2: Yeah, I think. I mean that's part of what makes Bitcoin so philosophical in some ways, in that you kind of um, you have a lot of people like like a Mark Cuban obviously, obviously gets to feel smart, obviously gets to feel like he's had a a really strong good view and grasp on reality um, because it's led him to acquire assets and have success and um, certain trappings. But those, those 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 are still trappings in a certain way. they still kind of lock your worldview um, in a certain way. And so I haven't heard him speak about this stuff. I actually don't know. Um, you know how how smart he is on these things uh, personally. I just know that's the that's the thing that happens. Um, and I think you do have you know these Lex Friedman's of the world um, that are kind of somewhere in the middle there that um, they are like inquirers. They are like working on they are pulling on different podcast guests. They're pulling you know doing two and a half hours with Nick Carter um, and, and these these kinds of things like that's that's that is really great. And that, and those are people you want um, kind of getting into Bitcoin. And it's this fun spectrum because, and for me, so many of these things are just inevitable. And you have people like Will who are blank slates who don't have these same trappings, and um, yet are and are trying to develop a clear vision on, on how the world works and what is sound money and what are what are sounder economics and what are worthwhile economic principles to believe in. And so, I kind of think whatever Mark Cuban thinks doesn't matter because in you know 50 years, Will will you know be around have a fat stack of stats i'm sure and
0: um he'll be uh he'll be calling the shots <laughs> all right yeah yeah will's getting excited about what 20 2036 having is that uh is that or is that even yeah yeah twenty thirty six having will right you're, you're you're pumped about that one there you go now, the, 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 exactly that, that's a strong hand what do, do, <laughs> i don't know will if you have any take on these uh these big names uh b- being in or in or out of bitcoin and i do want to say it's uh well, no, you, you take it away, well, sorry.
3: Yeah, sure. So I would say, you know, when these institutioners are going to take a position, they don't really care about what a celebrity is saying. They're going to do due diligence on their own and they're going to do their own research. They're not going to take someone's word uh, per se. But, you know, for, for retail and some of these uh, individual investors that aren't, you know, for lack of a better word, sophisticated, they're just going to kind of take at, at a, uh, at, at, you know, the... They're just going to listen to whatever these celebrities are saying. For example, like, like Elon Musk tweeting about Dogecoin. I'm sure there were a bunch of people out there that just said, Oh, Elon Musk is tweeting about it. So I'm going to buy it because Elon Musk said it right. And they did no due diligence. And so what I love about this is that Bitcoin is a completely free market. And if you don't do your homework and for lack of a better word, like if, if, if you don't pass the IQ test for Bitcoin, you don't get to have this money in the future and, and, And throughout history, you know, it shows the people who have the money have the power. And so I I look at this as a net positive because the less people that are are free thinkers and independent thinkers and critical thinkers that that have Bitcoin, the better. Because when we get to the other side of this thing, the people that are the real critical thinkers and independent thinkers are going to be the ones with the money. And they're going to be the new ones that are controlling society when we get on the other end of this. So the longer that we can keep these people that aren't going to do the thinking for themselves and aren't going to do their due diligence out, I think that's a net positive. Although at the same time, you can say that, you know, some of these retail people are being misguided, but, you know, at the end of the day, everybody is responsible for yourself. Nobody's responsible for anybody else. And if you're not taking care of yourself and and doing the intellectual homework, your own, uh, you know, you're going to be victim to that. So... Yeah,
0: personal responsibility is the new counterculture. Just because you score high on an IQ test doesn't mean you're going to score high on that Bitcoin IQ test. I think that's what we could we could take away with Lex and and maybe Mark Cuban. Uh, it's it's weird that Cubans take on Ethereum as as money, but that's that's his thing. It, it's the closest to a true currency. I mean, the he's maybe he's comparing it to fiat currency, which is why he thinks it's like money. Yeah, but. V- but Vitalik wouldn't even say it's uh, it's the closest to a true currency. I mean, it's just uh... anyway. Let, let's talk about the we mentioned the inevitable that you know big names are going to get into it. It is inevitable. Real quick, Goldman Sachs is close to offering Bitcoin and other digital assets to its wealth management clients. This is kind of like more from another story about Goldman Sachs. It's inevitable, dudes. Um, do, do any of you have anything to say about that, um, Joe?
2: I just know that. I mean, and part of it's 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 forced by client demand. It doesn't matter what Goldman Sachs leadership thinks about this stuff. They've been getting, They're just clients are beating down their doors. Why aren't I in this? Why don't you have something for me in this? And uh, so it's it's a response to the
0: market. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That that is a that is a really good point. Do do, you, do you, the other two guests? Do you have anything to say about that? Goldman Goldman Sachs is people always love to talk about big bad Goldman Sachs. They feel so many people feel so validated that you know Goldman Sachs trashed Bitcoin. They they put up that treat with Goldman Sachs like trashing Bitcoin in 2016 and now Goldman Sachs praising it. It was inevitable, dude. You, you don't you don't need to be validated by this. That's what I'm saying. But Brecky or uh, Will, do you have anything to say about it? Brecky, you can go first. Um, not
1: too much. I mean, I, I like you said, it was inevitable. I knew this was going to happen when, like, an ex Goldman friend of mine. I was talking to him, and he was asking. He was like asking me about GBTC, and I was like, "Why don't you just buy the underlying?" And he's just like, "No, no, no. I don't want to deal with all that. Uh, you know." And and I was like. hmm. If he, if there are guys like him who, who, are, who are going to GBTC, like Goldman Sachs, all these banks. They're going to be offering something eventually. Like it's just it's coming, and now it's here.
0: All right, and uh, we'll, you don't have to say anything about it at Goldman if you don't want to. Will, if you have anything. Uh, I, I are,
3: just think it's interesting because we're seeing uh, what essentially is game theory, and you know, FOMO. We've seen that on the retail side. You know, you see the price going up, you're like, oh, everybody else is getting in on this, so I need to. It's the same concept, but on on another just another scale. So you're saying, okay, Fidelity is coming out with their own custody solutions. We've got grayscale, scale and we've got all these other players coming in talking about, they're going to make some kind of move in the space. So if let, let's say, you know, nobody else was planning on, on uh, doing anything with Bitcoin, but just the fact that you have a couple people that did, puts that thought in everybody else's mind that oh if they're doing it other people must be doing it therefore i need to do it so it becomes a self-fulfilling thing which i think is very interesting and then another thing like joe was saying it doesn't matter what you know jamie diamond talking about uh, this is about goldman but it, jamie diamond saying oh bitcoin's a scam and stuff you know jp morgan is going to have to come out with some kind of bitcoin solutions because their client is going to say hey look I want exposure to Bitcoin. If you don't give me exposure to Bitcoin, I'm taking my money to Fidelity. And so it, it doesn't matter yeah. what they think about it because people are going to vote. You know, people say you vote with your money, your vote and and your feet. Right. And, and so people are going to vote with their money. And w- when the first billion dollars comes out the door, going mm-hmm. over to going over to, you know, Fidelity's custody solutions, they're going to say, hold on a second. I need to, I need to get, get my stuff together here and, and, get my clients some kind of exposure to this or else I'm going to lose another billion. So that's the way I see it. All right. The competition, keeping it real. I like it. All right. Real quick. Some uh, LSG light speed
0: gallery sent 499. Thank you. He said, thanks again. Always a pleasure. Thank you, dude. Thanks for the support. Pub Lord Hoddle. He's in the house. He's a great one. Always, always a great show. A reminder. And he sent five bucks. A reminder to everyone that 210,000 block theory remains undefeated. I agree. Keep that strong hand through at least one having what he's talking about. You can subtract 210,000 blocks from any day and Bitcoin in terms of fiat is worth more than it was 210,000 blocks ago. The theory uh, remains true. So you have to think of 210,000 blocks from now. If you're watching this in uh, 2015, that uh, the Bitcoin is worth more in terms of fiat. All right. Joe, tell us about the, the jobs that are that, that you got going on over there. At, uh, at your company what, what what's up over there?
2: Thanks, thanks for the opportunity. Um, like a lot of folks probably, you know, we're hiring developers, um, looking for engineers, folks to help improve our product and client experience around the product. product. Um, also on the client front, we're working on hiring some client services folks, as well as some people in accounting and HR. Uh, so we raised some money recently, and that's been, we've been applying that into growth and keeping up with demand, um, really making as, uh, as much hay out of this bull market as we can. Um, we're a Bitcoin-focused company. We're aligned with Bitcoin's values. We build our products to be um, to have, you know, and really embrace the permissionless properties of Bitcoin as much as possible. And so it's, it's a real fortune. I know Swan has this going, too. It's like there's a lot of people out there that have boring jobs and want to work in Bitcoin, want to work feel like they're working for Bitcoin, and advancing Bitcoin. Um, and I think shops like Swan and Unchained are you know, some of the places, the, the few
0: you know, unique places you can actually do that. All right, now I linked to below, it says jobs. It's a tweet that talks about the Unchained jobs. You can go to the Unchained Capital site, obviously. You can go follow Joe and uh, just, the jobs are out there, people. And I, I'm really glad you, you are hiring. And uh, what, what, what's your take, uh, what, what's better, Austin or Miami, uh, Florida or Texas? I, I, asked, I asked Phil this last week, so now it's your turn. Austin,
2: based on this critical mass of people here, you know, we've got a lot of Bitcoin developers. Uh, we've got the best Bitcoin meetup in the world. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's really happening here. Yeah, I Miami's mean, it's nice. Uh, I'll get to see it here soon, in a couple months. But um, I think
0: for, for Bitcoiners, truly, like Austin's where it's at. It. All right. And I want to ask the real quick, there was a, another another news story uh, about the digital euro that the digital euro is coming soon. Uh, well, no, they're going to start experimenting with it soon, but she won't be able to implement it for like four years. Any, any, anyone want – it was a news story this week. Anyone want to say anything about that because I said I, I would bring it up? All right. Do I, uh, no, yeah. no one has oh, – so, 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 wait. <laughs> someone said something? All someone right. said, nah. <laughs> It's it's noise, dudes. It's noise. That here, here's what I'm gonna tell you. When they eventually get it off, you know, when they eventually make it real, the fud will be like, "This is better than Bitcoin," and that is like totally eighty percent or mindless fud. You will be tracked. They can turn you off. It has nothing to do with Bitcoin uh, whatsoever. And then another thing: what is in terms of crypto noise? I just want to ask the panel members: what is this BitClout thing like? They sell tokens based on like personalities that don't approve of them making tokens about them. Does anyone know about this? I mean I mean it shows that we're it's getting frothy if something called BitClout is out there now.
1: Yeah, I, I, I know about it because someone DM'd me saying that I was on there and that somebody had bought tokens of me already or something. But in order to even claim them, which I don't want to do, you have to tweet about their shitcoin. Um it's, a, it's like a VC experiment. They're just trying to mess with people. Like it's literally designed to piss off Bitcoin maximalists. Like I – it's interesting, but it's I, I, stupid.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. We, we, we've covered everything here. Uh, Brecky, your closing remarks, anything that was – uh you, you forgot to say, anything you wanted to add?
1: Um. Just come find Swan over at uh, Bitcoin 2021. We're gonna have a huge dome and a big old Swan lounge there. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, if you don't know about Swan, go to swanbitcoin.com. Shoot me a DM. Happy to tell you all about it. Um, thanks for having me. It's always fun. Got,
0: all four of us are gonna be there. Wow. I mean, that last Ooh. week it was last week. It was the same thing. I all, best. I bring you the best guests in the space, and they go to what will become <laughs> the best event ever. That is June 4th and 5th in miami okay will what are your closing statements here anything that uh, was forgotten
3: no i'm mean, I just gonna you know just add on to what you were just saying i was talking to the uh the ceo of uh, bitcoin magazine last week and he was saying there's gonna be like i think like 10,000 people there and they're trying to get the capacity raised so uh, i you know definitely consider coming out to uh the uh, Bitcoin conference in, in June. There'll be plenty of Bitcoiners there and uh, people that you wouldn't otherwise be able to uh, network with, and it should be a blast. They have all kinds of different stuff that you can do. I think the problem will be not uh, having enough time to do as many things as you want to do. Yeah. Uh, included in and you know there's going to be a bunch of satellite events as well. Um, you know uh, things things that you can't do on, on the premise. Um, if you get what I'm putting at, so I'm sure I'm sure there will be a lot of fun stuff to do. Oh. oh wow! You're a college kid. Party on! Tap that like button.
0: How many people did they say? Did you say how many people they want to try they to stand? Don't the two? quote me on
3: this, but I think they said roughly, roughly ten thousand. Whoa, whoa! That I, I that's sad. that sounds like a lot, and that would be awesome if it's really freaking true, man. That
0: uh, that that would make the the local news. Uh, I think maybe who knows? I think it's all the right, biggest
3: uh, event since the Super Bowl, like as far as people congregating together. So it's a big deal because, because wow.
0: big. Bitcoiners aren't scared. Bitcoiners know what real life is all about and getting out there, baby. And it was great. I, I hung out with some big uh, Bitcoiners in Miami when I was down there. So and they weren't scared. All right. So we'll we'll end it with uh we'll end it with a uh, Joe. You you have got the final words here. Final word here.
2: Awesome. Yeah, a couple things to plug. Just uh there's an Austin Dev Austin Bitcoin meetup happened on April 15th uh here at Unchained Offices, downtown Austin. Love to see folks there, love to see folks at Bitcoin 2021. If you're a Bitcoiner want to improve your security and curious about multisig, check us out, unchained.com. And uh, and also we have some loans
0: and other cool products you should check out too. All righty, that is the end. Thank you everyone, best freaking guests in the space. You were awesome. Thank you people who contributed and all your questions that, that were out there today, people. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. It's opening day. I think the game is starting right now up in Boston. Go freaking Orioles as usual. But remember, don't get distracted by sports and everything. Focus sometimes, you know, whatever traditions in your city, whatever you might get into. Uh, And I just want to say Shabbat Shalom for everyone. And these last few days of Passover, everybody have a good Passover. I am out of here. Thanks a lot. Pound that like button. See you guys soon. All right.